Welcome back to the Global Startup Movement. I'm your host, Andrew Berkowitz. It's a pleasure to have you tuning in. Today, we are heading over to Santiago, Chile, and are joined by Roberto Musso, who's a serial entrepreneur in Latin America, having been a founding partner for dozens of startups. He's had three successful large exits and currently holds board seats on several prominent companies in the Chile startup ecosystem. His 20 years of experience building companies in Latin America has culminated in a body of work called the Startup Journey Project, which is an entrepreneurship methodology for emerging economies that takes into account what has worked in Silicon Valley and the developed world and combines it with the constraints that entrepreneurs are faced with in the developing world to provide a framework for startups to survive through the inevitable valley of death. So I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, be sure to do so on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Alexa, or wherever you prefer to listen. And now I present to you my conversation with Roberto Musso, the president and CEO at the Jevo Group. Entrepreneurship has become a global phenomenon. Uncover the stories of entrepreneurs and investors worldwide. From Sub-Saharan Africa to Silicon Valley and beyond, here on the Global Startup Movement. Now, here's your host, Andrew Berkowitz. So, Roberto, thank you so much for joining me today. It was really incredible uh, just digging into your background and, and seeing how many successful companies that you've built. Unfortunately, my, my four years of high school Spanish uh, didn't really prepare me well enough to, to, to watch some of your talks on YouTube, um, but, but that's all right because I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into most of it here. Why don't we start off with just a, a little bit about your story um, and kind of how you originally got into entrepreneurship. Oh, okay. You know, thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. First of all, I should explain that uh, my background is engineering. I studied engineering here in Valparaíso, in Chile. I was very lucky because I, I studied digital long before nobody was talking about digital here in South America. So then I, since I understood something was happening here, I was lucky again because the world became digital uh, and internet uh, arrived to Latin America. So I started my first companies uh, during the 90s. First one was about uh, developing uh, webs and so on, taking advantage of the internet. So I had the opportunity to develop several big, uh, big webs uh, that are still alive here. So I can say I have to bring the internet to Latin America. So on 1997, I started my first company and I exited it through an acquisition to a Spanish big company on 2000. So again, I was very lucky. So I have been very lucky in my life. After that, since I got some money and got a a successful first startup. Uh, I continue building companies until now. So I have built around 35 companies. Of course, many of them have failed, but uh, up to now I, I had three exits, same as the first one, interesting exits for Latin America. And now I manage a, a group of companies, uh, all of them working in the digital space, which is called 
digital evolution. So it's the JEVO. We have operation, operations in 14 countries and mainly in Latin America. And we provide digital services to people and to companies here. So we are, we are very lucky to, to be taking advantage of first of the internet, then of mobile and now of artificial intelligence. So that's what I have been mainly I've been doing to live, to, to pay the rent and, and pay for my lunch. Right. And so kind of look, looking back on your journey, when you think about those, those three exits and the successes you've had building companies, you know, I, I know you have kind of this thesis that entrepreneurial success in emerging markets, there, there are different attributes to successful companies. And so can you maybe talk a little bit about what were the common themes that your successful companies had? Because I know that exits are a lot more, uh, they're a lot trickier right? In, in emerging markets, just because there's not a healthy IPO market and corporates don't make acquisitions in the same way they do in, in the US or Europe. Um, and so can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what, what were the common themes across your, your successes? Yeah, you're completely right. We have a very special scenario here, very different from this, from what you may find in the States or in Europe, you know. So, since I'm an entrepreneur, I'm always looking for problems to solve, as every entrepreneur. So the problem which I felt I fell in love with was this one. 92% of our startups, they just fail before their third year. So just fail, 92%. That's a lot. So since we have been involved, I mean my partners and myself in entrepreneurship for 20 years, we have been facing this failure ourselves and we have been looking, we have been watching other people to fail the same way. So we, we found this problem very interesting to try to solve it. So we start studying what could we do in order to solve it and we found out that the reason for this huge failure, first of all, we, we lack money. We are poor countries, so we don't have that much money to fund our startups. That's a problem. Our big companies, they don't innovate that much because they don't compete. They don't compete strongly as in the developed countries. That's a very huge problem because they don't need to innovate. And that's why they don't need to collaborate with the startups, for instance. And the third thing is that our, our founders, our entrepreneurs, they just try to do the same things the entrepreneurs of developed countries do. I mean, the methodologies they are following are those developed in the, in the developed countries. So, and that's a huge mistake because if you want to raise some money here, some, some funding, you mainly cannot do that. You will fail because we lack money. Or if you want to, for instance, just get traction for your startup as maybe, I don't know, Instagram does or WhatsApp does, uh, you, you will fail because you, you won't have any money to, to 
pay the rent or to pay the salaries. So the methodologies should be very different, very adapted to the scenarios we face here. So that has been mainly our findings. And we have been uh, working a lot on trying to discover what those that have had success have done here. So we have found that um, they, for instance, they are focusing a lot on getting to break even. And that's very reasonable because if you don't focus on breaking even, you just fail, you just die. We have found that if you focus too much on getting funded by a venture capital, for instance, you you mainly uh, lose your way to to revenue, so you fail. And so you shouldn't focus that much on on getting funded here. What we have found is that if you can find a company which can be named maybe as a parent company or something like that, some a big company that can help you to get funded month by month, just in order to survive, you can maybe get to break even and then start to accelerate. So that has been a very good practice. So our main philosophy, this kind of um, evolutionary entrepreneur philosophy or methodology. So we are looking specifically for characteristics that could be adapted for our scenarios, you know, so uh, we have found several of them uh, and that's what we are grouping into our work, uh, which is called the startup journey, focusing on the, the whole journey of an entrepreneur that can be successful and from, from the beginning when you have the opportunity or you find a problem to the point when you get your break-even and maybe afterwards when you exit. So that's mainly our our proposition, our methodology uh, that somehow takes care of, of the specific uh, issues we got here in our scenarios and what you should do as practices to solve them. Yeah. So I think one interesting thing that you said that, you know, corporates don't really have that much of an incentive to innovate just because there's not a lot of competition. Uh, we, you know, we, we've had a lot of conversations on this show, more so focused on, uh, you know, in, in Mexico and Latin America and Brazil. Um, you know, how do we get the, the corporates to be more active, to launch venture arms, to make more acquisitions? But the conversation is never really, uh, or it's never been brought up that, there's just not that much of an incentive for them to do it because there's not a lot of competition. Uh, but do you, do you feel like that's changing with, with globalization? Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, that's, that's mainly the point. There is no competition. Competition is, is the word here. Competition is, is, the, is what should be in place in order for these companies to collaborate with startups. And there is not big competition here. But this is changing. It's changing because they are, they are, this, this big company are, are, they see there are new companies, 
digital natives that are becoming unicorns, for instance, and they are challenging their positions. So they want kind of be be similar to them, and they are they are feeling they are challenged. Um, some huge competitors are coming to this region, uh, for instance, Amazon, and big retailers here. Uh, they need to answer to that to that challenge, uh, and and so on. So something is moving, starting to move here. Uh, something starting, uh, very very synchronized with the entrepreneurial movement here, because this movement has really started since ten years ago in this region. So if you have a lot of competition, but you lack startups, nothing will happen. And the other way, same thing. So I think now, since, for instance, in Chile, Startup Chile is doing uh, very well. It's, it's doing a very good job putting this, this entrepreneurial mindset uh, on the table. And everybody wants to build a startup. And now the big companies are wanting to collaborate with them. But they are same as the problems we found uh, with uh, entrepreneurs and startups. They are they need to find their way, the way to collaborate. Because the, the way uh, big companies and startups are collaborating in developed countries is not the one that that can really operate here. Uh, here we are. We have different cultures. We have different incentives. Uh, so we have to find out the right way to get to this collaboration between, between the governments or states, between the universities, uh, big companies, and startups. And, and actually, we, we, we are working on that. We are trying to, to build a, a new startup journey that now uh, to help these big companies to collaborate with startups. You know? Yeah, and so can you dive a little bit deeper into into um, the culture in Chile, and uh, you know, do you f- like what what about the culture do you feel is is conducive to to entrepreneurship and startups, and what do you feel like is kind of like the idea of building your own company is combative against the the current dogma in in, in the culture? Yeah, our culture, and not just in Chile, but in Peru and Argentina, even in Brazil, in Mexico. Yeah, we are we are special. We are special guys here because <laughs> first of all, we 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 are risk averse, so we don't want that much. Since we are poor, and we sh- I should say that we are poor countries, and and to say we are emerging is just a a, a different word for poor. Since we are poor, we need to take a, a lot of. We care a lot about uh, our money, so we are risk averse. At the same time, we have very unequal here, uh, so there are very few families that are very rich, but a very huge mass is very poor. So uh, there is very we are unequal, and, and that means that uh, whoever has the money, uh, they they already has they already have the money, you know. So they don't need to do anything special to, to continue having this money. Uh, at the same time, our education hasn't been entrepreneurial. 
we have been educated just to work in big companies, uh, to get married, uh, and then hopefully to get a house and so on. So that's the way we think and that's the way we, we are used to live. So everything is kind of changing. Now these millennials, they don't want to work anymore in big companies. They want to think big, which is a, one of our problems as well. I mean, we, we think just in solutions for our countries or for a city, and we, we don't think in, in a global way. So these millennials are starting to think in a global way because they are exposed to Spotify or to Google or, or to global solutions. Uh, they don't accept uh, this social structure or economic structure we have here because they, they are starting to, to ask, why should we just live the way it's written? Why couldn't we change all this? Uh, they are getting more educated because universities or the full education is more accessible. And at the same time, uh, as we said before, uh, these big companies are are facing competition, so they, they are looking for answers to that. So we have a, a very risk-averse culture. We, we think uh, very local uh, and we don't want to change things. Uh, so that's, way we, that's the way we are educated and I hope we are changing all, all, all that. At least in Chile, that's changing. Argentina is changing. Brazil, Brazil is, a, is a cool continent, I would say. Uh, so they, they are changing. Uh, but those are, are our, our problems. I would, I would say that we here face a mindset challenge. Our main problem is a mindset, uh, is a mindset problem, a mindset challenge. We have to change our mindsets in all those dimensions we mentioned before. Do you think the right approach, though, is is for an entrepreneur, say, s- sitting in, in Santiago, to to be thinking about a, a global challenge to solve, uh, you know, as opposed to uh, kind of seeing the, the the local problems that they can solve and maybe approaching a, a corporate to, to to focus on that. Uh, just because, I mean, in, in, and I think you actually wrote about this in, in your startup journey project where, you know, a, an entrepreneur sitting in, in Chile trying to attack a global challenge is going to be competing against their counterpart sitting in Silicon Valley, who's, we'll say, flush with, with venture capital and, and, and funding options. How should, in your opinion, entrepreneurs be thinking about the, the problems that, that they're trying to solve? I guess, you know, considering the, the lack of lack of local capital. First of all, we are very idealistic here. So all of us, we, we would love to, to develop, uh, I don't know, uh, Amazon or our global company or Spotify or something like that. Of course, we, we would love to do that. But to be realistic, uh, we have to, we have to accept that we lack money. We, we, we don't have the funding uh, American startups have. I think in Chile, for instance, the whole venture capital industry has just the funding one of the big startups in the States get in, in Series A, you know? So we don't have the money. So 
we shouldn't focus on the same problem those startups are focusing in because we, we will not be able to compete with them. So we will lose. And I'm, I'm saying this from, from having done that, you know, and, and having lost. So, so having lost. So uh, it's very, very, very hard to accept that. So what could be the way? The way could be to focus on specific problems that are under the radar of uh, developed countries. So we have lots of problems here. We have delinquency, for instance. Uh, we have health problems, education problems. And if you think on it, you will realize that 80% of the world is still... Is still emerging. I mean, we are still poor. So the opportunity uh, of focusing on emerging market problems, being you one of those uh, actors of those markets, uh, is huge. And you don't need to compete with somebody doing the same thing with lots of funding uh, coming from Europe or from the States. So that's our proposition. Let's focus on our own problems. Let's start very small, having one of our countries as a test market, might be Chile, Ecuador, Colombia. Then let's scale to all Latin America, Spanish-speaking Latin America. Then we could, we could go to Brazil, maybe. Then we have a 500 million market, people market. And, and then maybe you can jump into the whole emerging world and then whenever you get a lot of money from that operation you can start to, do, to think globally you know so that's what we have been doing we have had some good successes on that we have been developing startups that are trying to solve our problems and since we don't compete with anybody from the States, from Europe, or from Japan, uh, we, can, we can get traction and, and we can scale. So might be a good idea. It, it still has to be proven, but sounds good. And, and other guys are following us and are trying to do the same thing. And it's very natural as well because we face, we are trying to solve our own problems. So we are very specialized on, on our problems, you know. So, so good work. So, Roberto, I know we're coming up on time. Uh, I just have one more question before we, we finish with the quick fire round. Uh, and I'm, I'm just curious, based on your experience uh, sitting on so many boards, what responsibility do board members have to a startup in an emerging market uh, that, that might be, you know, different, just considering all the added stressors, and, and personal challenges probably faced by the CEO in, in trying to scale it up? As a board member, the only, the only mission you have is to drive the strategy of the startup. The only thing you have to do is that. If, if you are micromanaging or if you are solving specific problems, you are losing your time. Since we, we failed that much, the strategic direction you you take or you decide as a board is the first 
the first area to work on as a board member. So I, I would answer to that question with this. Board members are responsible for the strategy of a startup, of a startup which is the main, main, main point related to uh, eventual success or eventual failure. So if, if you don't do that, the startup will fail. If you do that well, uh, applying your experience, applying your network, trying to drive the team uh, at, in a good way, you can have success. So that's your responsibility. Awesome. So, Roberto, we're going to finish off with a quick fire round, four questions up to 60 seconds each. Sound good? Sounds good. What is your favorite business book and why? Business book. Oh, actually, my my. It's not a business book, but I, I've been doing. I've been reading uh, Arari lately. So, Omodeus is a very interesting one, which is about life, which is about evolution, and which can be applied to business. Who is an entrepreneur in in the Chile startup ecosystem that you admire the most right now, and why? A Chilean one is Nicolas Chie. Uh, he found uh, he founded uh, startup Chile. He funded uh, E Class. He funded several startups, and and I really admire what he is doing. What industry is going to produce the next unicorn in Chile? I hope the digital industry related to retail, but I think it can come as well from mining from yeah from biotech because we are working on several biotech uh, solutions so yeah that's mainly it and finally roberto what's your favorite thing about living in santiago uh, in santiago we have lots of problems so everything is is to be done here no nothing is done so i like to live here because People is nice. Uh, we, digital digital industry is just starting. Entrepreneurs are 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 just starting to move. So, yeah, that's nice here. Awesome. Well, Roberto, this was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show. No, my pleasure, Andrew. And thank you so much to you for calling me and for inviting me to to your to your idea and to your project. Thanks for listening. Be sure to add Andrew on Snapchat at andberk, that's A-N-D-B-E-R-K, to see firsthand a day in the life of an entrepreneur in cities all around the world.